0: Amen, that's good stuff. I'll tell you what, um, that's why I need uh, corporate worship to come together with the body of Christ to sing. Every week, I love that song, I can sing that song, belt it out in my car with no one around and it's great and it means a lot. I'll tell you what, when you're with five-year-olds and up to 95-year-olds and everyone in between and we're singing all my life, you have been faithful and just testifying to the power and the faithfulness of God. I'll tell you, there's just nothing like that. So praise the Lord. Uh, Man, what a neat day uh, to be together. I'm gonna actually, uh, no you just sat down, I'm really sorry. I'm gonna, have, if you're able, if you're uh, feeling up to it, if you wouldn't mind standing back up. Uh, we are in the 23rd Psalm this morning. Uh, it seemed appropriate for Church on the Farm to end our Summer in the Psalm series with Psalm 23. And so uh, I'm gonna have you uh, eventually turn in your Bibles to Psalm 23, but we're gonna have it up on the screen. And what I would love for us to do is just recite this Psalm together, and so uh, I believe we should have it up on the screen right now. There we go. Um, So this is the ESV version if you want to have it in your Bible or it will be on the screen. So let's go ahead and let's read God's word together. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff comfort me you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup overflows surely Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Please bow your heads with me. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the promises in this psalm. Thank you for your faithfulness that everyone in here can testify that even though we have not been faithful all our lives, you have been faithful for all our lives. In fact, you have been faithful for all of time, God. So we praise you and we just ask that our time in your word would edify us and glorify you. Guard my words uh, and uh, may I bring you glory in the preaching of your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Well, Like I said, this week is our final week in the Summer in the Psalms series, and it seemed appropriate that we would end with this psalm, which is one of the most familiar passages in all of Scripture. I have no doubt that many of you have this psalm memorized. Few scriptures are more comforting than the 23rd psalm. Often, this is a passage of scripture that I will read at a graveside service after I've done a funeral, when friends and family are saying final goodbyes to a loved one. I'm sure most of you have heard this passage read at a funeral as well, and for good reason. This psalm offers us some incredible promises about how God will take care of us, and indeed how God is faithful to us. It's a psalm that brings encouragement and comfort and hope, and I would argue it's a psalm that points us to Jesus. So this morning we're going to do three things. First of all, we're going to take a look at the promises that this psalm gives as I'm being just brutally attacked by this fly here. I don't know if you're noticing that. Get out of here. We're going to take a look at the promises that this psalm makes to us. And then we're going to talk about who those promises are for. And then as we close, we are going to end by celebrating uh, the Lord's Supper together as a church family. But first, I want us to just spend some time looking at the promises in this psalm. There are three of them. Up until now, the psalms have shown us a lot about who God is. So in my preparation this week, I read Psalms 1 through Psalm 22. Uh, read the whole thing, and I made a note of every time uh, the, the psalmist wrote who the Lord is. The Lord is blank. I wrote down every time it said the Lord is blank. And, and here's where I found, found it saying things like the Lord is a shield. The Lord is a righteous judge. The Lord is a stronghold. The Lord is the king. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is the horn of my salvation. All these things point us really to incredible promises of the fact that God is uh, our protector. God is the one keeping us secure. But in every single instance up until this point in Psalm 23, there's been a little bit of a distance, right? It's been a positive thing that it says what the Lord is, but there's been a little distance. Up until now, we've not seen the kind of intimate relationship that David talks about here in Psalm 23 when he says, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Shepherd. Now first of all, this is really a shocking thing to say. We're so familiar with this psalm that I think we can kind of miss really how shocking that is. A shepherd was not necessarily like the most coveted job back then in all of ancient history. Israel. In fact, David knew this very well. David had a lot of older brothers, and he was the youngest of all the brothers, and so he was the one who got stuck tending the sheep. Oftentimes, it was the youngest brother in the household, if a family had sheep, that uh, he was the one who ended up getting stuck with being the shepherd. And so that would mean he would probably hope that maybe he would get a younger brother so then he could graduate off and not have to be the shepherd anymore. But the shepherd was not a coveted position. And yet here we have David saying, the Lord, Yahweh, the God of the universe, is my shepherd. Is my shepherd. Which has some implications, doesn't it? If God is your shepherd, if God is the one who is tasked with taking care of you and keeping watch over you, then as a sheep, that should make you feel pretty good, right? Right? And so the rest of this psalm is David fleshing out just what it means for the Lord, the God of Israel, to be his shepherd. And so we see three promises in the psalms, psalms that can be applied to us as well. And the first thing we see is that God will provide for you. God will provide for you. Look again at verse 1 where it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, I shall not want, that's kind of an old-fashioned saying. We don't really talk like that anymore. Probably none of you have used that phrase, I shall not want, uh, this week at all. what, What does it mean? I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean he gives me everything that I ask for. Right? What a disaster that would be. If we could trust the shepherd that gave us everything that we ever wanted, just every whim that we ever had, every desire that popped into our brains, that God would just provide it for us in an instance. We all know that would not be a good thing. And that's not what this is saying at all. I like how the Christian Standard Bible translates this verse. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. It says, I have everything I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. So what does a sheep need? What does a sheep need? Well, pretty much a sheep needs some green grass to eat and some water to drink. Like, sheep don't have a ton of needs. Those are pretty much the two big ones. And so that's exactly what the shepherd provides in verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Now, considering this is church on the farm... I thought, what better opportunity than to have a live demonstration of some of these things than when we're out here at the McCorkle Farm. And so I have some special guests that should be coming through the door right now. Ethan and Kendall and Midge are going to be helping us out this morning as they're on their way in. Here we go. Let's give them a round of applause. I'll hop down here. All right. Perfect. So this is Midge. Hi, Midge. How are you? How are you feeling about this whole situation right now? Probably not great. I have a question for you, uh, Ethan. Uh, The scripture says that the Lord makes his sheep lie down in green pastures. So I was wondering if you could make Midge lie down for us right now. Do you think you could do that? just give it a try. Midge, come on, you can do it. Just lie down. Just lie down. Yeah, Midge doesn't want to lie down, does she? It's a she, right, Midge? All right. Uh, Thank you. I'm really glad that Midge didn't lie down because it would have ruined the whole thing, okay? So that was good. You did it exactly right. Now, tell me if I'm wrong, but what I understand is that it's pretty hard to make a sheep lie down if it doesn't want to lie down. Is that right? I mean, we just saw that. And there's a bunch of reasons for that. First of all, if the sheep is feeling afraid at all, it's not going to want to lie down, right? It wants to be on his feet because obviously God designed sheep to just be so fast that they can just bound away as fast as, as, a, as a cheetah probably. Maybe not, maybe, maybe not Midge with those short little legs. All right, but they want to be on their guard. They want to be ready. So they're not going to lie down if they feel fear. feel any fear. Also, like I was just getting attacked by a fly if there's any bugs flying around or any like parasites or insects bothering the sheep it's not gonna want to lie down either is that is that pretty much right for the most part and then maybe also if a sheep is uh, like feels like they need to find food if a sheep's feeling hungry and doesn't know where it's gonna get its meal it's not just gonna lie down is that right so really for a sheep to lie down it needs to be free from all fear and anything bothering it and worrying about being taken care of. And so we're freaking Midge out here this morning, so she's not gonna lay down. She's gonna be a little stubborn about that. Is that right? Thank you for demonstrating that for us. Let's give our volunteers a round of applause. Hop back up on stage. I wanted to do that you know, at a different Sunday, but I didn't know how the trustees would feel about me bringing a live sheep in, uh, into our church. So this was just perfect. Great job to our volunteers. Thank you so much. Sheep can be pretty stubborn if they feel anxious about the world around them. They're not going to relax very easy. If there's anything on their mind, if there's anything that they're worrying about. And here's my suspicion for us this morning, church. My suspicion is that as I look out on our church here at Church on the Farm, I wonder if I'm looking at some sheep who sometimes don't like to lie down. And I say that as the chief offender that. I'm guessing, church, that many of us struggle with fear of the situations that we're placed in sometimes. Why am I here? What is going on? can't relax. At any moment, I feel like something's going to jump out and get me. I'm guessing many of us struggle with the frustrations and annoyances of life, and I'm guessing that many of us struggle with anxiousness about whether or not we are going to have what we need And if so, if that's you this morning, hear this promise, he makes you lie down in green pastures, meaning he's taking care of you. Matthew chapter 9, as Jesus is going about teaching in different villages, he sees all these crowds coming out to see him. And And the scripture tells us that he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They're like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd to make them know it's okay to lie down. I'm taking care of you. Jesus knows how much his sheep need a shepherd. And he felt compassion on the crowds when he saw them wandering like sheep. And so let me just say to you this morning, you can trust your shepherd when he tells you it's okay to lie down. When he tells you he's got it, when he tells you there's nothing to be afraid of, when he tells you you are going to be provided for, you can lie down. We can be stubborn, can't we? We can all be a little bit like Midge, not wanting to fight, not wanting to lie down, fighting against Ethan when he was trying to say, it's okay, (laughs) right? We can be like that sometimes in our hearts. I can be like that. So let me just say this morning, first of all, rest in the one who restores your soul. And then the psalmist goes on. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, which means two things. He leads me on the right paths. He leads me where I need to go. And he leads me to do the things, the right things that I need to do. And it's so interesting. Why does he lead us in paths of righteousness? What's the scripture say? Why? For his name's sake so it's for our good following where he leads us is for our good but ultimately it's for his glory and so church i want us to take comfort in this first promise this morning that the lord himself is watching over you the lord makes you lie down in green pastures he will provide all that you need and he knows we can be stubborn sometimes. But he will provide. And he's doing it for his name's sake. That's the first promise we see. And that leads us right into the next promise that we see in this psalm. Not only does the good shepherd provide, he also protects us. Look at verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now this is really interesting to me. Again, this psalm is so familiar, we almost need to kind of detach ourselves from it for just a moment to really think deeply about what's going on. Because as I'm studying it this week, I'm thinking about If the first three verses are all about how God provides for us, how we don't need to worry because he's going to take us right where we need to go, he's going to lead us to those green pastures, then why on earth do I all of a sudden find myself walking through the valley of the shadow of death? Right? If he's the good shepherd, why would he even take me through the valley of the shadow of death? The reason is this. Now, I've never been on a trip to uh, the Holy Land. I've never been able to go to Israel. I'd love to someday. But it's my understanding of the geography of Israel that uh, lush patches of green grass aren't necessarily just like overabundant, right? It's a lot of dryness there. Which means that shepherds in watching their sheep would sometimes have to go on these long, difficult journeys in search of food and water, a place that maybe was good for a time, no longer was suitable for the flock, and so they would have to go somewhere else. And from a sheep's perspective, I'm sure that it was a little bit confusing. Why on earth would my shepherd have us leave what seems to be a perfectly fine pasture over here and walk through what feels like the valley of the shadow of death, the valley where death just feels imminent? Why are we going here? What's going on? I'm sure I won't make a sheep noise, but I'm sure there's a lot of bleeding going on, right? B-L-E-A-T-I-N-G, right? A lot of complaining from these sheep. Where are you taking us, shepherd? I miss the old pastor. We were fine there. We were safe there. Why would we leave? Can any of you relate to that this morning? This reminds me of uh, the people of Israel after God let, led them out of slavery in Egypt through the wilderness, on the way to the promised land, and then yet basically, right after they left Egypt, the people started complaining, God, why are you taking us here? Why didn't you just leave us back in Egypt? It was better for us there. And so the question is, when you're on that rocky path, when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, when you don't know where you're going or why you're going there, what is the one thing, according to this psalm, that should bring you comfort to know that you don't need to be afraid? The presence of the shepherd, right? I think these are my favorite five words in this whole psalm. For you are with me. For you are with me. The shepherd didn't just have them here in this a uh, nice pasture and then decide it wasn't a good place anymore and so he sent them on their way all right it's going to be a difficult journey sheep I hope you make it no he went with them through the valley of the shadow of death church God is with you God is with you over and over, we see in Scripture this promise from the Lord that although we will have to walk through difficult trials, there's no promise that says God's people will never have to walk through anything difficult. In fact, there's, Scripture tells us we will. But the promise from the Lord that we see time and time again in Scripture is, God, you are with me. You are with me. One of these instances in Deut- was, is in, found in Deuteronomy 31, which was in my quiet time, this week, I was reading it in the morning, and I came across these words from Deuteronomy 31. I want you to hear them. It says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. I read those verses and I was really comforted and encouraged by them. And then I noticed right to the left-hand side in the margin in my Bible, I had written a note next to this verse. I didn't remember writing this note. But the note said this, 3, 5, 19, first day at Rock Prairie. This was the verse that I read, my first day as a pastor at Rock Prairie. And as soon as I read that, I just started tearing up because I realized when I read this verse, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. I had no idea what was coming. Those of you who have been with our church for a long time know that we've been through some really, really hard things. And I had no idea what we were going to face. I had no idea what these next few years, those next few years were going to be. I had to laugh at myself for writing that note, thinking, boy, if I only knew. And yet... And yet, when I read that verse, immediately what struck in my heart and to the depths of my soul was this, the promise was true. The Lord has been with me through the valley and I know it's true for you. The Lord has walked with you every step of the way, no matter what difficulties have been in your past or are in your present or how or will be in your future. God keeps his promises. I know if you're a follower of Jesus, I know you can look back on your life and say the same. You can say, I don't know why God had me walk that path. Maybe we'll never know right? I don't know why God had me walking through that valley of the shadow of death, but I know this. He was with me the whole time. Amen? Can anybody say amen to that this morning? We will fear no evil, not because it will never come, but because he is with you. The shepherd, the good shepherd is with you. And you can lie down in these green pastures knowing that he will take care of you. We will fear no evil because the shepherd is with us. God himself promises to provide for you and protect you. And then finally we see in this psalm, God will prepare a place for you. Now this is really interesting because all of a sudden this shepherd sheep analogy, which David has been carrying through the whole psalm, all of a sudden it stops abruptly. And it's almost like he's turning and saying, yes, it's great to be a sheep and have God be my shepherd, but actually what I have is so much better than just being a sheep. Listen to what he says. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Which again, as a familiar psalm to us, we don't think about what that means. But when you really think about it, this is a little bit backwards, isn't it? And the relationship between God and us Who would you think would be the one preparing the table for whom, right? Seems like I should be preparing the table for God. He says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He's preparing a table for you, which means you're more than sheep. You are friends. You are friends of God. You are welcomed guests in his house. In the presence of my enemies means that all people will see how God treats his chosen people. How God treats his children, those whom he loves. You anoint my head with oil, he says. My cup overflows. Just a verse before, we were walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And now what's happening? We're feasting at the table of the Lord. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And then this hope that it closes with, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know how long forever is? It's forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, (laughs) etc. Right. That's your hope. That's your promise. You will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You'll feast at his table. Your cup will overflow. We don't have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death anymore because one day we will spend eternity with him. Listen to what Jesus said in John fourteen three: If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I, where I am, you may be also. Church, I just want to say, I don't want to be morbid here this morning, but truly, we all know, none of us knows the number of our days. Just a fact. Any one of us could not wake up tomorrow morning. So what's our hope in a world like that? Well, our hope is in the fact that Jesus himself says he will prepare a place for you and you will be with him. What a promise. We need to take comfort in these promises, church, that God is your provider, He is your protector, and He Himself is preparing a place for you to live forever with Him. But that leads us, as we close here this morning, to a very important question, which is this, who are these promises for? Can every person just read Psalm 23 and know that they will be able to dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Who actually gets to say, the Lord is my shepherd? Well, the answer is this. The true sheep are the ones who follow the shepherd. John 10, 3-5 says this, The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads him out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. And my question for you this morning is a simple one. Do you know the voice of Jesus? And I mean really know him. Is his voice familiar to you? If he is your shepherd, then you are his sheep. I know that for a fact, but I also know this. There might be some of you in here this morning who are hanging out in a different pasture Maybe you're very familiar with the name of Jesus. Maybe you know a lot of people who do call Jesus their shepherd, and so it almost feels just like, well, then he's my shepherd too, of course. But deep down, you know he's not your shepherd yet. There are two tests that Jesus gives us in John 10. He says, my sheep hear my voice. Are you listening to the voice of Jesus? And then he says, and they follow me. Are you hearing the voice of Jesus, and are you following him? Are you doing what he says? Doesn't mean you're perfect, right? Sheep are the perfect analogy for followers of Jesus because sheep are so stinking stubborn. (laughs) But this morning, I just want to be clear. These incredible promises are only true if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, I have some amazing news for you. Jesus says in John chapter 3, whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Because if you truly believe in him, then you will hear his voice and you will do what he says. If you follow him, you won't walk in darkness. You'll have the light of life. These promises are true only for followers of Jesus. And the reason that we have these promises and can believe these promises is only because of the cross of Christ. It's just because of the cross that he was obedient to the point of death so that we might be called righteous in the sight of God. Because Jesus was obedient to death, God has highly exalted him and given him the name above all names. And to all who believe in that name, he gave the right to become children. God. And so this morning, as we close, we are going to celebrate that as children of God by partaking in the Lord's Supper together. The Lord's Supper is something that all followers of Jesus are called to do to remember and proclaim his death until he comes. And so if you're here with us this morning, even if you're just a guest, if you are a follower of Jesus, we would invite you and love for you to take part in this with us this morning. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I would just ask you to refrain the Bible's clear this is for believers as we take the bread we remember the body of Christ broken for us on the cross as we drink the cup we remember the blood of Christ poured out for us the blood that made peace between us and God and covered our sins so what we're gonna do the way we're gonna do it this morning is we're gonna have you come down the side aisle and pick up one of the communion packets and then go back down the center aisle and uh, return to your seat and so you'll be dismissed from the back row by row to come up and um, we would love for you to do that this morning so let's take uh let's go ahead and grab the the communion packet and then in just a few moments i'll lead us in eating and drinking together all right church hopefully you get that little top film off to get your wafer out I'm gonna read scripture in the gospel of luke chapter 22 we read of the last supper In verse 14, it says this And when the hour came, Jesus reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. Let's take our bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's do that together. Verse 20, And likewise the cup, after they had eaten saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The cup represents the blood of Christ, which was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Let's drink together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his body, um, broken for us on the cross, his blood poured out for us so that we might be saved, so that we can be forgiven and restored to new life in you and walk in newness of life, God. Thank you for the spirit that you give to empower us to do just that. We thank you that we can say, for all who are following Jesus, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. God, may we cling to those promises in this life. May we also cling to the promise In the next life, that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We praise you, God. Truly, you are great. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.